0: Help <laughs> now Welcome to Live Sense8. I'm Sheila Applegate.
1: And I'm Zach Hansen.
0: In this podcast, we dive deep into the concepts of consciousness and other interesting trivia in the Netflix original series, Sense8. We're doing an episode-by-episode episode exploration of how we can live a Sensate life. We'll be also throwing in some special episodes along the way. In this segment, what's going on? We talk about all the things that we've noticed in the fandom of Sense8. Really, mostly on Twitter, but other places, too. Tweeples. And anything that you guys want to submit, if you know something going on to do with Sense8, just shout out to us. That's very interesting. Interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, interesting stuff. That would be preferred.
0: (laughs) All right, so starting with one of the things we're putting on, or orchestrating and that is the meditation the global sense eight meditation coming up on March 20th and the idea is no matter where you are in the world that you can put positive intentions that the world gets a giant sense eight hug and that the stars align for another season if that's putting love into Netflix to the unpronounceable production company or the actors the universe (laughs) the people ready to receive if you want to join me i will be doing a guided meditation live guided meditation at 8 a.m on that day 8 a.m eastern and you can sign up for that so that we can notify you when we begin and have you join in And we're going to do that by having you sign up at livesense8.com.
1: Slash global meditation.
0: All right. We also want to say thank you to GoPi for supporting us on Patreon. And as you probably know, coming up on March 2nd and 3rd is the Paris Sense8 Con. So you can... I'm sorry. March third and fourth is the is the Paris Sense8Con, and you can get tickets um, on Twitter. You can reach them at Z A R A T A Events, or look for the details at Sense8Con on Twitter. So I know Brian Smith or Will is going to be there. Jamie Clayton is going to be there both of the maxes otherwise known as Wolfgang Wolfgang and Felix will be there so sounds like an amazing time and there are people looking to connect for meetups so um look for that on twitter and there's now another campaign we're still working at <laughs> helping netflix know they want to do another season <laughs> So, here is the address of the CEO, Reed Hastings, and you can write to him, old school, and ask for sense Season 3 on Netflix.
1: That's going to require a pen or a pencil, a oh, piece of paper, an envelope, I- a stamp, <laughs> properly addressed to him, If just in case you've never written a letter before. It is 2018. <laughs>
0: I was actually going to type it up, print it out, and then put it oh, in an envelope okay. and get a stamp. Wouldn't it be cool if there were sense stamps? But I might put an Elvis stamp on there because that's what I got. So anyway, here's where you can mail it to him at 100 Winchester. That's W I N C H E S T E R. Circle. Los Gatos. G A T O S. California. 95032 and send some love. Let's do this the sensate way and um, have some kick ass love going to them. Encourage them. Remember, more gets done with sugar. What is that? You can attract more flies with honey and.
1: I don't know. I want that. <laughs> Maybe it's before my time.
0: Oh, it's ancient. <laughs> it's ancient. Maybe
1: with that Elvis sticker, though, you can send a sing and you could have an Elvis impersonator come in there and Ooh. sing "Don't Be Cruel."
0: <laughs> Ooh. So get creative. Show them the creativity. Show them the love. I think that I know we're going for numbers, but also it the impact that it's had on you, um, and.
1: Let him know your personal stories because you've already written them down for Martin so he can write the documentary, right? Exactly. So you might as well send them to him personally.
0: Right. Um, Yeah, I was going to talk about how this seems to be one of the first television shows that have resulted in people coming together and meeting up. I know there's, like, Harry Potter cons and stuff, which is actually really new, too. So moving off of movies, okay, I think I'm going to take that back. Because I think that there's Doctor Who. I think that created the same sort of world community. Um, But that took, like, 50 years. And this took two seasons. (laughs) I think that we're moving into a new era. And that Netflix is on the cutting edge. And if we remind them of that... They may want to be all that they can be. Okay, so there's something else really fun happening on Twitter in Sense8 World. And that is that there are new cosplay Twitter accounts. So basically, we've got people who are running the character accounts. And a lot of them are by the name. So we've got at RileyBlue08, at Daniela... Velesk one. That's not the same. Kala, man, I can't say all their last names. D a <laughs> n d e k i a r o eight. Wilgorski o eight, and then Cappius is at Van Eight Dam. And then we have Naomi or Nomi Marks at o or o eight, and Sun Bach o eight. Lito Rodriguez, 08, and Wolfie Bugdano
1: 08. So to explain that a little bit, there's some people playing the characters of the show over Twitter.
0: Right. And and they stay
1: in character. So there's a little role play going on, and they're having some fun with it.
0: Exactly. So those are the ones. And once you look into one of them, you can find the other. So my suggestion is follow them and interact and... It's a lot of fun. I reached out over Twitter to uh, try to get some background on this. And, and, uh, let's see, Wolfgang and Riley and Son all DM'd me and had a little conversation. And really, they stay in their character. But they were helpful in telling me... um, I guess it came out a little bit to let me know the background to share with you. But they do not know who the other person is, who's playing who. Nobody but the person playing knows. Oh, there's even more, too. I forgot. Whispers is on there now. Um, So there's a bunch of different people. Basically, and I saw the original tweet. Somebody said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had Twitter accounts for all the characters and they interacted and we played with it? And then within days, these characters started popping up. And so what happened is people just responded to that and opened up a profile and became that character and agreed. And they agreed not to tell each other who they were in real life or what their other Twitter account was so that people could stay in character and that we would be a part of it. So it's just starting up, and I think there's a lot of fun and creativity over there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like a good time. And we will have as much information as in as many Twitter accounts as possible on the post on Patreon. So if you go check that out there, if you want to interact with them, you can find out who they are, and we will update that when we can.
0: You can't find out who they are in real life, but you can find out how to reach
1: the the real fictional
0: characters.
1: (laughs) Twitter accounts are.
0: Right. So that's what we've got for today. Let's get on with the show.
1: Actually, this is very surprise to say with much humiliation. Smart money is on the skinny bitch. (laughs) All right. Episode three of Sense8. Smart Money is on the Skinny Bitch. is directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski and created and written by the Skis Company of the Unpronounceable Productions. That is Lily, Lana, Wachowski, and J. Michael Straczynski.
0: Great. And in this episode, we got a lot going on. We have Will waking up from the crash and he learns that Homeland has captured Jonas. Riley throws the drugs away and gives all the money to a piano player. She's in crazy. Looks like the, the tube. And Sun is getting increasingly frustrated with the financial problems of her corporation and her inability to reach her father, who's the CEO. Will opens up the keys file of Sarah Patrell, and recalls that when she disappeared at the age of 10, he had visions of her. In them, Sarah was being lobotomized by a mysterious man and was asking Will for her help. Amanita lights a fire in the hospital like she said she would, (laughs) and that delays Nomi's operation. Daniela Let's Leto know that there's another reason she wanted to stay there last night, and that's because she is being kind of hunted by her gangster an- ex-boyfriend, who ends up, uh, showing Lido what he's got and intimidating him at work. And then we see that Sun goes underground in the kickboxing. She seems to be a person of, uh... A-
1: Badassery?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cappius and Jella are um, looking to buy AIDS medicine for Cappius's mother. But they, just after getting the AIDS medicine, their bus gets attacked and robbed by a gang. Gang called the Superpower Gang, which is a little ironic here because we've got the real superpowers embracing their power and these, these pretty, uh, Gangsta, poor, Poor (laughs) let-me-just-beat-up-on-the-easy-people call themselves the superpower. so there's a little joke in there. Um, And the very end scene, which we'll go into a little bit more, of course, but Kathy has channels son skills and some of Will's help when he's attacking the gang members, because he's like, I'm done with this shit, (laughs) and he goes back for them.
1: Can only push a man so far.
0: All right, so Zach, was there anything in this episode of interest?
1: Well, after I watched it three times, <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, I get it now."
0: <laughs> okay, all right, <laughs> that doesn't sound great
1: for the episode. <laughs>
0: you mean you get all the amazing details? Now. <laughs> right. It, it took
1: me. It's, it's this show. I'm I'm a little slow on the uptake sometimes. So it, it's you know, it's just me.
0: All right. So what's something you found interesting after your third time watching it?
1: Well, where to begin? One of the things I thought was interesting is really small is when Riley was chilling out in the apartment with her buddy and the Asperger's chick. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, she's from Australia. <laughs> right? she, she's uh, made a kind of a little crack at Riley because maybe she saw some scars on her wrist. That's kind of what I thought she was talking about. You don't really tell, but you know from the very first episode, I believe it was the first episode when you see Riley's wrist, there's some slashes on it. But that could just mean she's a cutter too because it didn't to to me those didn't look super deep. So, anyway, um the thing that was interesting to me was I've never heard people coming out in the springtime and committing suicide because they get depressed so right i so, thought that was very curious
0: so riley yeah they're talking about how cold and dark it gets um in iceland for the winter months and and the australia chick bambi i think says uh you know she'd go mad do people go mad there and I, I do think there's a little, I will, we'll have to remember, but I think that spring is when Riley had her issues there. Um, which we find out later, but so yeah, Riley says, well, actually more people commit suicide in the spring. And I got that. Uh, that's to me, I did note, I was like, Oh yeah. Cause I have this, um, you know, my earlier part of my career was in psychotherapy, child and family and. Even if you watch TV, you know you'll see I mean if you if you watch um network TV where you still get commercials and you're going to see those commercials for antidepressants and when they start talking about the side effects suicide is a side effect and you're like okay well why would I take a drug that suicide is a side effect how is that an antidepressant but what it, when you had like so working with children or anyone who's depressed they're not if you're in a deep enough depression you're not going to have the energy to act on a suicide so suicide risk goes up when the light comes back in when you start to get more energy so i was like okay that's kind of cool that's a natural phenomenon not that it's cool that people are committing suicide but i did understand that that's because now they actually have – it's not because they're upset about the light. It's that they actually have more money to act – or more money, <laughs> um, more energy to act on their suicide.
1: To me, it was, was interesting is Riley was talking about how you can – the stillness of winter. Yeah. And how – it's it's kind of meditative. And so when spring comes around, there's a lot of activity and it's really um naturally I would suppose it's a lot harder to get back to that silence. So that's what I heard out of her words.
0: Yeah, and you know, I love those words because we're here in upstate New York and I happen to be a fan of the four seasons and the celebration of each one. I love the flow of it. So that silence that she said she misses. Um, we had a snow day right after watching it, and actually, you said um, you said the snow looked like white silence. We 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 talk about how many names we need. We should go to for Iceland snow. for snow because there's so many different forms. But yeah, it, it does get silent. How beautiful. I liked that there was a shout out shout out to like actually snow in winter is a really beautiful,
1: peaceful gift from nature. Quiet stillness, time for yeah. reflection and wisdom. Yeah. So yep, that was that was interesting. So if you're from Iceland, I'm really curious to know if people actually have this problem up there when it's springtime and people start to um, either wake up out of the depression or get depressed because it's noisy or whatever. So just let me know on the Twitter.
0: Yeah. And I'd also like to say, you know, we're tackling a really serious topic at a very, you know, just a surface light, like, oh, we're curious if this happens. But we do understand it is serious. We actually have a series we did on suicide. And you, if you look up Sheila Applegate on YouTube, we'll put it on the Patreon too, I think. But um. If you want to dive deeper into our discussion and Zach sharing his perception of that, um then look it up on on YouTube, Sheila Applegate, or on our Patreon.
1: Great. And then the next thing that I saw in there that was interesting is Lido. He's doing his scene where he has to run into this church building. I'm assuming it's the church building. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a couple interesting things about this and i think we're going to get into one later but he as a as a he starts talking to the director and he's like i need to go into that building and the director's like hey no you don't but what lido was talking about is out of somewhere he's like my character knows i'm going to be betrayed and so i thought this was him having foresight about being betrayed by Daniela later in the episodes. But I don't remember all the details and I'm actually really excited to watch the next episode because maybe they'll get around to explaining that because he he also was walking into the building with Riley as he was saying that. And so I don't remember if Bambi or somebody, I, th- I thought it would be Bambi, maybe he portrays Riley somehow. In that, but I don't remember episode four. So it, I just thought it was interesting that um, Lido was having foresight of a betrayal of his character.
0: Yeah, I think that that is um, that's important because it is the idea of trusting his in- instinct and then art merging with real life. So my favorite part about this. Is that the director responds to him by saying, the audience doesn't know. The audience is with you. You, they are you. When you know, they know. And that I totally like, that is a shout out from the writers and the directors to us, the audience, telling us because we now know that they wrote this intentionally, not giving us any more information. Then the characters know, so we might, but we get our own intuitions just like the characters may get their intuitions based on what is going on. But I just love that because it's the bridge. It's the melting between the art and the real life that is such an incredible part of Sense8. So thank you to the writers that put that in and gave us a shout out of if you're wondering why on episode three, you're still a little confused. It's because you don't know until
1: the character knows. Full disclosure, though, somebody had to tell me that that was a thing before I understood that they had to wrote that in there to talk to me, the audience, because I just thought it was part of the show.
0: All right, so then we got the red boulder going on. That's kind of a thing happening there, where um, there's a few things with the red boulder when Will is taking out the folder, and Sun has got a folder at her desk. So one of the things that we noticed, that you noticed, Zach, was the teleporting. And so at first I just thought the papers were changing But then you notice the background and they're actually moving
1: between the two places. Yeah, it was really hard to catch. I had to sit and watch. It was really the windows that gave it away, like the position of the person based on the windows. Like Will, you can see the window on the side and Sun, the window is in the back. So whenever you see Will with the window in the back, you know he's looking at Sun's paperwork. But it was so subtle and really hard to pick up. And this is just little details that I've picked up over watching it multiple times.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's good because we're getting, you know, we talked about in the other, and episode two, we talked about the teleporting and what that experience is like. And here we're seeing more of that. So that's cool.
1: Yeah. One more thing that I've noticed, too, in that scene was how they're connected. We start to see the connection between the childhood trauma, between those two in particular.
0: So we're going back to the original title of episode one, where limbic resonance, and we're seeing that emotional connection is still very prevalent in all of these experiences and the gateway Mm -hmm. uh, to that. So I have a few things that I want to dive a little deeper into. And for me, one of the big aspects of this was um Sun's memory of her mother asking her to take care of her brother. So what's happening here is we see a flashback and Sun is here trying to make a decision of basically... Is she going to help her brother out? So we kind of know her brother and her dad have done some bad things. She has not, but she is remembering a promise she made to her dying mother when she was about five or six years old. And her mom at that time asked her to take care of her brother. And so for me and the work that I do, and I just feel like, This is why it is so important that we learn to talk to dead people.
1: It's a good skill to have.
0: (laughs) And I know that might sound funny to some people, but I believe that it's our natural state of being. I don't believe communication ends at death. I've been doing readings for 20 years. I have been communicating with spirit way beyond that. I have some, <laughs> there is a period where most of my, and it actually, if I counted it up, it may still be, but most of my close peeps are dead or in the spirit world and not in the physical world. So that natural communication that goes beyond the physical life is so important. And I just want to dive into that for a moment because I think that When we realize how natural it is to continue our communication with loved ones after they've crossed, it changes our lives because, first of all, it gives us an opportunity to open up and love more freely because we don't have to be afraid of losing people. But also, in situations like this, I can't tell you how many people have come to me for readings and they're holding on to something that either someone's dying wishes that they made a promise to someone who died, or that they're perceiving that the person who they remember and what that person would have wanted is what the soul continues to want from them. And that's not the case. So dead people like... Get frustrated that we don't let them evolve, so I can see son's mom going, Oh man like i'm I'm so sorry I said that. How can I get to my daughter and tell her that I love her and tell her to take care of herself so to me, that's just such an important aspect of that
1: I completely agree, and I can attest to this. From my own personal experience, I had a very traumatic um hateful experience with my mother and after I was done working with you, Sheila, and learning the things that you could teach, I was able to mend that relationship with my mother, who's been passed on for several years now. so I know firsthand how healing that can be, not only for the the ones who cross over, but that's not so much as important as you being here alive, being able to forgive and move on and grow yourself and do the things that you need to do because you're the one who's here.
0: Yeah. And another example of this that's coming up to, I mean, there's so many examples after all these years of doing readings, but I had a homicide detective who came to me and actually she was reaching retirement. But there were cases, you know, those cold cases that she couldn't let go of. So she wanted to see if I could get the answers for her. And I could. These are murder victims. And there were some, I mean, I I was shown enough details that she identified the cases. But the people don't want to talk about that. But they're what the per the murder victim, what the it's been multiple. There's been multiple murder victims that I've actually communicated for. And the theme is they want their loved ones to move on. They are not feeling revenge where sometimes people's lives and the lives of the people they love. So there's the victimization when the murder happens. And, and there's a loss of one person, but sometimes it's like a mass murder because the loss of all the people whose lives become changed because now all they're doing is trying to find out who did that. Or if they know who did it, they're trying to get, um,
1: Revenge or being justified. Or yeah. Justice.
0: Yeah. Justice is probably what they would think that they're trying to get, but they end up destroying their life anyway. So, and, and actually it have, it can happen really kind of quick. There was one, um, who came to me before I, people even knew she was dead. And then people came to me after about it and she showed me what happened. But her message right in the first few days was tell them, he didn't mean it like it was someone who was strung out on drugs and she didn't have any um anger towards him so but that's not even it like i there's other people that um you know had different religious beliefs or different beliefs about medicine that they you know change after like
1: things just change complicated subject (laughs) <laughs> because we are very different experiences of ourselves when we're being a human being and when we're not being a human being
0: right and that is why i mean that's really why i've dedicated my life not just to letting because i don't want people to come to me just to get those answers i want them to be able to do this i think being able to communicate with the non-physical is so important but this also where you know, as I know, you know, I created Consciously Awesome because that's teaching people not just to communicate, giving them the skills they need to communicate after someone dies, which is so important, but to communicate with the higher selves, even when the people are alive, Mm -hmm. because we all have multiple levels of how we perceive things. And when we limit ourselves to that most earthly primitive level, we don't get all the information. So,
1: yeah, even on on my mother's deathbed, <clears throat> I went to go see her um, as she was in her last moments of hospice. She was dying from bone cancer. Her lung cancer had turned into bone cancer. Uh, she was about 90 pounds. I've never seen it was just a horrible condition to see any human being. in. but she was my mom. And so when I was in there with her and she couldn't take care of herself, she was in so much pain all this kind of stuff. But all this, I hadn't talked to her in years. And she's asking me about my life. And on her deathbed, she's like, I didn't mean this for you. She even said that in the physical to Mm -hmm. me, right? And it wasn't until after she passed on that I could personally move forward and let go of those things. But she came to me and showed me who she is now and what she's up to and how beautiful of a soul she is and, and all of these things. So it was a very healing um, experience because there was so much resistance within me for so long, not wanting to hear what she had to say to me until I was ready. And now there's this, I'm I'm okay with it. It's a very um, neutral experience instead of one uh, clouded with emotions and judgments and things like that. So I can listen now. And so when she comes and she has something to say to me, I can listen and it's good and we just move on.
0: Yeah, and and I I love that aspect. I mean, I think that that I started out as a therapist and I actually when I was in college, they showed a film of people that were having therapy with families with some with a dead member. And I had no idea what I could do back then. I was like, that's really cool. But that is, so I kind of brought that into my readings over the years. And, um, you know, it's not about predicting the future, but how do we resolve these? How do we have a vessel to do that? So I just picked up on how, and it, it shows up in other ways too, but how important it is, um, not to hold on to the past. It's like, If you go off to college and you change and or you have this huge experience that's life-altering, so let's use college because that's like a point that a lot of people have, and then you go back home on that first summer vacation and – people are treating you, fall back into treating you like when you were a kid. And you're like, but I've been a grown-up for a long time. So that feeling if we hear, it, it shows up in movies of people reverting back to their childhood and being treated like a childhood. We're constantly changing all the time. You know, if I treated my kids the way I remember them when they were three, and now they're young adults, that would make no sense. And, <laughs> It just sort of happens after they move on, too. And I always tell my I, – I actually, I mean, I'm kind of bold with this, too. But, you know, um, a while back, my mom was talking about what she wanted for her funeral. And I'm like, yeah, but you're going to be dead. You don't care. We get to do what's going to make us feel good. And I do say that to my kids, too. Um, I mean, my daughter is going to, you know, give me a Viking – send off right. and light me on fire in my favorite lake is the plan now. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's not for me when I go, it's for the people that pass on. And I, I just think it's so important. But there's so many different ways to communicate. And we also have the dream sequence where um the little girl who may have been dead, may you know, she was reaching out, Sarah, was reaching out to Will in dreams. Um, looking for help, but we don't really know what she wanted help with either, because we only get that little bit. And I find while people like dreams and they're helpful in in some ways, I find that they're very limiting. Um, and I thought it was interesting because this week I had an incident with a dream that's been going on, and and I I feel like it was kind of given to me so I could talk to you guys about this and show the The contrast for me. So we've talked about that the person that I consider my twin flame, which would be, you know, in these terms, like that closest one in the cluster, like Riley and Will. Um, So he died 12 years ago. We were already in this telepathic communication before he died. He actually knew uh that it was coming even though it was uh he was actually hit by a drunk driver so our our relationship continued on right from the beginning and has grown and transformed and people he's he talks to a lot of people <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> uh way more than i know i've actually because he has a name he goes by in spirit um two feathers and I've actually heard people that I know who did know. Okay, so one of the – I've heard it multiple times, but I've heard people that, that never even knew me that heard of him and knew him as Two Feathers or he was working with. So he's a pretty cool spirit guide. So that's evolved so much. But when we go back to the dreams, you would think with that I'd be able to jump into dreams with him and we would just have so much fun. That's not how my dreams with him go. And I think this is really important because a lot of people do come to me, well, I had a dream of my mom or I had a dream of my dad. What do you think it means? And the process in dreams is way slower. So when we see Will with Sarah, both as an adult, and then she's still a child, he's the adult, or when they were both kids, and that carrying that continuous dream with him, the time frame in that is so different. So this week, after 12 years of my twin flame um having crossed over growing our relationship hangs out with us all the time and i'm i can't dream with him so every time i have a dream with him it'll last for a little while and then i'll either like go to touch him and i realize like and i remember whenever it is in the dream after a few minutes i'm wondering why i haven't seen him in a while and what's going on and then i remember he died and i instantly wake up so, I had a dream with him. This is the longest dream in 12 years that I had this year, or like um, this week. And I feel like he was kind of just giving us information for this show, but he was working it. So, he and actually, he seemed young like he was around the age when he died, where he's grown over the years. And I, you know, it's been an ageless thing, but he was that age again. And he kept coming and going in the dream like it was like every time I was going to remember that he was dead he'd just go leave and then come back and at one point I actually woke up and just slightly and I was like oh yeah he's dead but I went back to sleep and I went back into it but the, co- the, the thing that's so important here is we have not grown very far in our dreams like we're still processing early on stuff even though our souls and my consciousness have grown and I think that that Is something that is important to show with what Will's going through, too.
1: It is very interesting. Over the last four years, I've become quite the lucid dreamer. And I've been able to be very aware of my dreams. um, And even something like knowing that I'm in a dream, and I know in order in the dream to wake up, I need to go to sleep. So I go to sleep in my dream, and I wake up into this reality. So having that said, it's been very interesting um, being hyper aware of my dreams, but I as well have noticed specifically over this last year, there's a particular individual who is very significant in my life and she and I have a relationship in my dreams that we can't live in this reality at this time. So I just, I think it's really the dreamland and communication and It's a very, um, it's an amazing thing. And I think the the key is interpretation. Yeah. And what you do with that dream and that information.
0: Yeah. And putting it into context and understanding all the pieces, um, and the metaphors of things as well. That's all important. And I think it's important, um, it's important both for like Sun and all of these people who are maybe holding on to something that they heard before and it dictates their life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was one of the.
1: Yeah, as we were talking about this and in particular, so Sun, she is Korean and I'm not super familiar with Korean culture, but I know towards Asia and in the east, the far east, um, family honor is a big deal. And so when she's young and that's instilled in her compared to, I'm not saying that I, I would, America, where we live, is much different, <laughs> especially in today's world. And I'm not saying that people aren't people and there's a wide spectrum of experiences, but in the Far East, honor of the family name is super important in respect and reputation. So, she knows these things as a little kid and her mom tells her she needs to take care of her family. And now she's in in this situation where she has been working for her father to help. Like she's the one who's making the company what it is because she's having that responsibility of the culture around her as well. On top of it's her mom and so on and so forth. So there's also – aside from her mom, but there's also culture telling her this is how she needs to be a person in our society.
0: Yeah, that's true. I also think that her that, that statement from her mom was really loaded because at one point her dad said something about, I remember what it was like to be loved by your mother. So the later years she saw him, uh, I think, I think son's mother did see him as corrupt. I think she knew, you know, we find out that, that son's a really badass um kickboxer, but so she probably could fight for more, but also she was stronger. So I feel like mom may have meant, you know, keep him from being corrupted from your dad, but probably didn't mean sacrifice your life for him. Right. <laughs> That's my guess. <laughs> so yeah, so my message to everybody, I highly, highly recommend remembering how to communicate with the non-physical and the very first step with that is imagination and this show helps us with the imagination but just let your imagination lead you to the truth and realize how natural it is so thank you to the unpronounceable production for bringing us another avenue to remember that
1: yeah it was really awesome Alright, so now we have another big topic that I would like to dig into, uh, that happened in this episode. It was kind of a theme that was running along with the, the communication aspect that we just talked about is the big conspiracies. This was woven through this episode quite a bit. And, um, we, we got some Kala and Caffeus to talk about and Nomi and Will and even son's family and uh yeah i think leto oh it was leto Lito
0: has got a little bit going
1: on yeah there. a little bit thanks to his new partner in crime
0: <laughs> so you want to talk about that so i think this is a really big topic because i and i it goes beyond the storyline and then we've got all of them kind of going up against um whispers and
1: what we'll come to realize as an agency so yeah i'll start with Nomi and Will. Okay. So one thing before we get going into all this is I thought it was very interesting in this episode. We talk about dreams and communication. That little girl just told him for the first time not to look into Whisper's eyes. Right. So he learned that through the dream medium.
0: For the first time now or for the first time in the past? It's interesting. Did she tell him when he was 10? Did you tell him now? That doesn't really matter. I'm just saying timeline. Right. And that was one of those things, too. During that
1: particular dream, he was going in and out. As a Up boy and age. a man, yeah, remembering that dream or having that dream again, having who it knows? again,
0: yeah. So
1: I thought that was really cool. But as far as big conspiracies go, you know, Will he gets out of the hospital and he goes straight to the police station because that's what he does. He's a police officer. He's got Jonas, and he really he bumps into the air quote Homeland Security guy who Jonas in the last episode told him he wasn't who that that is and. I thought that when Will asked that man about Jonas, Will was like, hmm, I don't believe that answer because that guy's like, yeah, we had Jonas moved off site. You can't talk to him. He's out of touch and stop trying to be more of a hero. Right. And so Will's like, wait a second, what's going on here? Right. And so that's that introduction to this bigger conspiracy where he starts to question the narrative even more. After his experience, because his last experience was with him and Jonas and right uh, jumping through cars and crashing. And it was quite a mind-blowing experience. So when the nurse comes in, she's like, you shouldn't be out of bed. Your brain activity is off the charts. <laughs> and he has to laugh. He's like, yeah, I bet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And, you you know, you started a topic, a uh, uh, line you said, you know, question the narrative, which we're going to dive in with all of them. And that is an important thread. I'm going to go back to Jonas and the message he gave each of them to trust themselves. And as we go deeper into these storylines and we see the layers of conspiracy and, and who can be trusted and we start to look at that, bringing that back into, you know, 2018 in the U.S. and probably most of the world. But um, conspiracy theories and um, the narratives have been... are getting really, really twisted. So I always didn't have a huge... I always assumed there was corruption in the government, corruption in the FBI, all of these things. You know, I never not the individuals necessarily but the the storyline that narrative but at the same time i i had to trust in myself to know what felt true we've got a lot this whole fake news and you know like what's going on over here right now really playing on our brains of who do we trust and if if we didn't have faith in this now but now a different side is twisting that lack of faith to something maybe even more corrupt. It's just very much a spin-out. And so it really all comes down to what Jonas was telling them and continues to tell them. You have to trust yourself to navigate the earth world.
1: Mm-hmm. So Oh I I, I totally agree.
0: And- or your intuition, your knowing, like that has to be the narrative, what's inside of you that resonates. So I mean and, and we're seeing this in all different levels as we go on.
1: Yeah, I I think that's part of human evolution right now is we don't know what reality is anymore. And you, the only person you can trust is yourself. And it takes time to go with your intuition. That takes a lot of practice because if you're not going with your intuition, and you've been listening to everything outside of yourself. It tells you you're wrong most of the time. Right. So at a young age, we're taught not to do those things unless you have been. And you're very fortunate, but I feel like most people, uh, And I'll just speak from my own experience. It's taken a very long time to go, oh, I need to do me first because this is right for me. Um, But it takes practice, I think. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's super important. The reason we're seeing this is because humans need to evolve to that point. So all of this madness that we're seeing and misinformation is actually reinforcing our evolution as a a conscious being. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So, with that having been said, um, there are all the different layers that... So, that's Nomi and Will. Well,
1: that was Will. I got Nomi Oh, you got
0: Nomi. Okay, go ahead. So,
1: yeah, Nomi is just chilling out in the hospital some more, you know, (laughs) as she does. She's all locked up there and she's got the nurse with her three thugs that uh, dose her up and tie her down to the bed. And one thing I noticed in this particular episode is like, oh, uh, because we're going to talk about Kathy is here a little bit too, but she... After we see Jonas, we don't really see her communicate with any of the sense Aiden anymore. And she's really in desperate need. And she's she is like she yeah. she's tied down. Um and props to Jamie for the scene. Like it's gotta be really hard to do this scene because this person's losing her mind and she's trapped. And um she she does want somebody to help her, but you notice none of the she's not popping in and out of reality. So I was like, oh, Maybe it's because the butcher, the doctor, has her on blockers, so she can't be receptive. And that's why they're forcing that medicine to her. But that's just speculation on my part.
0: No. Well, I think it's a good... I mean, I think... Right, because we
1: don't know as the audience, because...
0: Right, but I think it's a pretty good conclusion. Right.
1: So that's her. She's just stuck in the hospital and then meets to the rescue.
0: Yeah. Needs comes and burns the the <laughs> hospital <laughs> down. Burns for. it down.
1: <laughs> I thought it was also funny. Um, th- so the hospital's on fire, and the doctor's like, go lock her up in her room. <laughs> right. <laughs> she can't be outside. What a dick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, all right, so a big one of the conspiracy that's starting, the intersection of conspiracy that's starting to show and we don't get a ton of information, so this is drawing a little bit on information that's ahead, but it's it's fine for you to know that if you're not ahead. But we've got the whole uh we've got Kala who we realize works in a pharmaceutical, um, and her husband to be, her fiance, is like the top guy there.
1: Yeah, he's one of them. Yeah.
0: And then Cavius is looking for drugs on the street for his mom, for her AIDS. And so between the two of these scenes, the boardroom with Kala and Cavius and Jala going, uh, or Jella, Jella Jella going to um, to get the drugs for the AIDS of the uh, by a guy on a platform with a refrigerator and a chair. Uh, So the conversation starts to tell us a connection between the pharmaceuticals. So there's um, counterfeit drugs that actually cause harm to the people with AIDS that are out there, um, that are being sold to people who don't have access to the other drugs. And then we've got the actual drugs that work for AIDS. So we've got this exploitation of AIDS, which, um, you know, we know that AIDS is not hitting the first world countries as much um, right now. But they're exploiting some of the other countries that are, you know, that are still in Mm -hmm. need of that. Um. Do you have anything to say with that? I've got some interesting parts with that that I was thinking. Yeah, go for it. So we've got Cavius and uh, Jella going and talking to the guy, and he tells us about the counterfeit, but he also is pretty, like, by the book. Like, uh, you know, those are the drugs that are you know, cause harm, gives them the information they need, but also like you can't, you know, he says that you'd be better off letting your mom die. So he's doing, it's still that business mentality. And he, he probably has to, to be like, he, if he didn't, I guess he wouldn't have a business there. Because there's so much need and so much pain and so much poverty, you have to learn to be a little hard shelled, probably. But when Kathy You know, expresses emotion, then that's when, uh, Mr. Fuck Off, (laughs) uh, says that he would, uh, that, you know, basically he starts to try to exploit him, but Jella keeps that line, um, back of this isn't, um, emotional. So you've got the people and the players and, and real people. And then we've got the boardroom. And Kala walks in and we don't even really realize like if you don't pay attention, there's an in-service going on um, from someone that's come in to tell the obviously it's a boardroom. So they've got to be enough of the top people in that company or an important team. And they're being instructed on the whole thing that um Kathy has just heard about these counterfeit drugs that are being produced and how. Dangerous it is, and it is a spoiler. But later we realize that 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 company is involved in it. I mean, it's not too much of a spoiler because if you pay attention, you can realize there's a connection with everything here. But if you look at that, Kala is in there. She doesn't know what's going on. She's trying to do good, and ninety. 90- percent of the people in that room probably are in there for the good purpose, like in there for good reasons. They're good people thinking that they're doing good things. And that actually puts a knot in my stomach a little bit because I know my son is um, going into biochemistry and he's amazing. And I don't know if he's going to get exploited. Like right now he's with an amazing company that I trust completely. But it, they can't even, like, once they make something, they make, you know, they discover something, it gets sold, and they don't have control of where that goes. So we have this whole thing about big pharma, you know, that we're battling big pharma in our country, at least. um, But obviously, it's a theme going on here in Dubai. And we forget that there's people in there. And I think that that is really important for us right now is to remember that when we turn it into a conspiracy theory or a corporation, a government, um, and we look at it as an entity, we forget that there's individuals in there and that each individual is making their own decision. And they're most of the time. I really believe that 80 or 90 percent of human beings do make their choices with good intention. Sometimes the good intention is limited if like um, you're trying to save your mom. So you, you know, like if if Caffius had got well, if Caffius did some things that he didn't wouldn't normally do
1: like rob somebody for that money that he gave to the drug dealer to save his mom something like that right right yeah yeah.
0: and so when we go back to the superpower gang like those guys all have real lives right they may be we look at them and we are like oh what jerks but maybe they've got kids at home that they're trying to take care of and and we get more of these stories uh later to help us remember that they're people but as us as humans right now I can see that, like, we need to remember that there's humans in the government. We need to remember there's humans, real-life, good-intentioned humans in um, big pharma, in, in big corporations. And when we do that, we humanize it again. And when we humanize it, we can work with it. We're part of the problem when we dehumanize because that's how wars are run we we have to see them as another not like us and we start battling even with us in the sense eight fandom you know are we going to take the path of netflix has some conspiracy you know some conspiracy theory about netflix trying to um shut down sense eight or, or are we gonna like say hey i bet you 90 percent Or more of the people at Netflix did this because they love it. They want to bring good shows out. They're doing whatever they can to do this. Maybe there's a couple, you know, jerks that are just full of greed here and there. But I don't know. I just think it's so important for us to remember humans.
1: Yeah, not to dehumanize things. Yeah. Because once we do, we turn it into they Right, it's a lot. It's not one person in particular. It's not a group of people. It then becomes they. And I learned about Doctor They when we watched The X Files this past week.
0: (laughs) Doctor They, yes. And Doctor
1: They, man, he reminded me a lot of me and the things that I say about our current uh, society. It was it was entertaining.
0: Yeah, but we got to catch ourselves whenever we put Mm -hmm. a they. If we're if we're saying they say this, they do that. We're fighting a system. We forget the system is human Run by humans. Yeah. And uh yeah. I feel like I might have just said this in one of the other podcasts, but when I had to help my dad out and and call social security, I almost beat a lady up because I forgot. Like she was just the one caught on the yeah (laughs) caught on the phone. (laughs) She was the one on the other phone that had to take these terrible calls all the time and and tell people that we're trying to get something done, that there was a bureaucracy and red tape and all of this stuff. And one day I just wanted to strangle her. And then I got myself together and I was like, oh, wait, they're humans. They, you know, they just are doing their job. And the next time I, I got nowhere with that, I called back the next time remembering, send love to the person, got on her side, got on her team. We got I got the answers I needed, and she actually thanked me, like, thank you for being so nice to me today. Because
1: that doesn't people happen don't do often. that. Yeah. So So we got Kala. She's tied to the big pharma effect. And then we have Caffius, where we get to see the effects that that has on a country, right? So he's kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum because they have a lot of poverty there. So that's pretty cool. And then Nomi with... I'm just doing a little recap. We got Nomi. She doesn't even know... She knows, but she doesn't know she's in the the conspiracy that all of them are going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Right? She's got some doctor telling her something. Like, she hasn't seen her family. Nobody's talked to her. And we don't know. It seems like days. But it could be like a day or two. We don't know in the show because it's just scene by scene. We got Will, who's opened to the police department... Or the government is now being shady with mm-hmm. his jurisdiction, and then we have Son's family, and she's in this big family conspiracy with the business, and she knows her brother's doing some shady shit, and she's the one who's paying for it, right? right. And that's why we're she,
0: deciding, yeah. right?
1: She's making that decision whether she wants to to blow it wide open or take the fall or what. She knows she's getting set up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't say that all right because she internalizes her emotions. Right. Right. Um, and I think that has a lot until to do she with
0: gets it. to the kickback. Right. Rank. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I love that part about when she goes back and her sensei is talking about how he knows she's always going to come back. That feels like me so much. Um, because martial arts has a very, I have a soft spot in my core of my being for that because that's always a place I end up is in the dojo and in love with what happens there. Um, So anyway, that's a little soft spot for there. So we have all these big, giant conspiracies We have another one in
0: there. Just a little. Leto, it's it's not a big, he's not Mm -hmm. a big story. And and that's another thing they're doing um, from a storytelling perspective now. They're honing in and following maybe like the Game of Thrones idea where we focus on a couple relationship and storylines at a time and then we come back to them at another episode instead of dividing all four. So we we don't see a lot with lido, but we find out that uh Daniella's ex boyfriend is not so cool, and um he basically tells Lido that he knows how to um cut He'll his throat yeah. easily, and he would have to pay for that eventually, but then also they ask her what her family does so and she just says a um, import expert
1: <laughs> things, people thinks what
0: yeah things people want and so basically we're talking the mexican drug cartel they don't say that but we're seeing a person when we don't know whether to trust her at this point or not what levels to trust um and that is partly with the scene that you talked about where Lito's like i think he's you know i think my character feels something's about he's about to be betrayed you know um
1: but that was Lito feeling that in his own life, right? And not. As yeah, a possibly. Yeah, so.
0: absolutely. Um, but I mean, I guess also, you know, we hear the Mexican drug cartel like some big foreign scary entity that we should uh, keep the Mexicans out, build a wall because of, you know. <laughs> but again, that's another they that, like, just she doesn't. She doesn't say the name, which is cool because we just allude. You know, I didn't even think the name until you said it, but uh, they're humans. She's likable. She's just trying to be an actress, you know? So it's just another reminder that
1: uh, we're all doing the best we can.
0: Yeah. And and all of these title, you know, these theys that we label are people inside of it. So I think that's really important. Me too. All right. So we come to the last scene, which is.
1: Oh. (laughs) Which is smart money is on the skinny bitch.
0: (laughs) I thought we might be able to get him to do his little thing again. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So smart money's on the the skinny bitch. We know that's important because we've learned that they pick a line out of the show that, uh, directs us where they want our attention a little bit and they name it so so this leads us up to the scene where Sun is in the the um the underground fighting ring yes and it matches up with will being at the
1: firing range
0: and kathya's has just been romped now of it was one thing before they reached in his pants and got those drugs for his mom that he just, uh, had, you know, not only he just found out he got the real stuff that she needed and then they took it.
1: And he supposedly got the real stuff.
0: Oh, that's true. That's true. But, um, he, he's going to fight this time, which is something that I think is out of character. He sends, jella away and all the people off the bus but one lady and i I love this lady and but again it brings me back to the other storyline of do we hold on to the dead you know like uh she says that he took her ring and it's the it's uh from her husband and it's the only thing she's had left to remember him for i don't know how many years but so we know you know, it's her dead husband and that ring is her connection to it. Um,
1: and that was worth her life.
0: It was worth her life, right? So, I mean, you know, that uh, it's, we do that, but again, back to my discussion earlier, like we need to open our relationship to people beyond, um, the physical because. If she trusted in her current relationship with her husband, though we still may like the things, the possessions that they have, but I think we hold on to possessions more when we feel like that's our only connection. So she's risking her life for that. And what do we put into a possession when we could turn around and actually start talking to the being? So, But anyway, that's not our point. So the point is... We have this scene and Cappius uh, goes back to attack the gang and he's really in.
1: He starts out doing really well. I'm going to say that. But... Oh, cool. I yeah. mean, he's just kind of out. He gets outnumbered and out yeah. yeah. And that's a problem.
0: <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> um, so what I noticed in this is a turning point for, for the show um, and the storyline And like I said, I think they send us little Easter eggs of where to pay attention to their message. The reason I see this as a turning point is because, well, we'll, will it's the synergy of where they are at the time that makes them be able to intersect, too. Because, I mean, we could go down a whole... Black hole about this because what little decisions line us up to be exactly where we need to be in the moment that we need to be in that moment. But without even going down that hole, because I'm sure we're going to get another chance to do that some other episode. Cathius asks for help. And I believe this is a turning point because up until this point, it's been happening to them. They're just, their emotions are the link. But their intentions aren't, so they just pop into other people's reality, which is what happens to Will before Caffius even asks for help. He's at the driving range. Will's being presented with a chance to pick up a gun. We get the feeling that he doesn't have a ton of experience with a gun, but he picks it up and shoots it like a pro. Caffius. Caffius does yeah, kind of um,
1: like a pro. He could. He didn't hit, He didn't hit anybody in the car. So.
0: well i mean we we got that match that what the skills that will has are being drawn on by cavias but when he says help me he ends up in son's fighting ring Mm -hmm. and i think that that's that was the first time they intentionally made that shift, and it threw both of them actually. If you watch it, Sun starts to get beaten up really bad right' Totally she's distracted she's in the middle distracted of a fight. and and off by it. he's getting beaten up it takes them a minute to align with each other, but then once they align, they're in complete synergy, and he's able to draw from her skills and they both win the fight, mm-hmm. actually. So I think that that to me is why it's such an important scene because when we move from just allow, yes, it is what we need to allow. We do need to allow these things to happen. I think Jonas is something, it's not something you do, it's something you allow. That's absolutely true. We do have to allow these higher frequency interactions to occur but the next level is to add our attention and our intention to that and when we when we infuse it with intention it starts to become even more palpable.
1: So, right, when our intentions line up things get done.
0: Yeah. And then just aside, Nomi does ask for help and Neats helps her. But like you were saying earlier, nobody sees her request for help, and I think that's because she right. probably is well, trapped.
1: Papias showed up into Sun's reality and looked up at her and said, "Help me!" Right, right, and no, me. There was no connection with anybody, even though she was asking for help. Right. Yeah. So.
0: Anyway, I thought that was an interesting. I don't know if it's a plot twist, a plot depth, you know. <laughs>
1: We're going to a new level with this. Yeah. It's a turning definitely, point. Definitely a turning point. And Sun wins the match.
0: Sun wins the match. Caffius wins the fight. Yep. Will probably does well in the driving ring. Or mm-hmm. the the shooting ring. Um and I and Nomi gets help even temporarily. And uh by her her nonsense sake. Friend and Thank lover. God
1: for saving that beautiful brain,
0: yes, Nate would not let that beautiful brain be destroyed. No <laughs> so anyway, I think that is a lot for this episode and um, another amazing thing when we dive deep in and another you know I've heard people say, "Oh, you know, I watched it. It's good. I get the points. I see why you like it, you know and I'm like, yeah, I I agree. I know you pick up on some of that, but I don't think you've done enough to know exactly how amazing this is.
1: Right. <laughs> I mean, you really have to have followed and understood the Wachowskis movies. They're not just popcorn movies. Right. Right. And right. This, is a big, this is a big deal because they are able to layer so much into this show.
0: All right, and so that brings me to another point I wanted to make. I'm glad you said that, because the Wachowskis have done, they're known for sci-fi, and they even include this um, as like a sci-fi type of a Mm -hmm. show. But this is so earthly and so grounded. And again, I've dedicated my career to being like, we don't have to leave here and go to the spirit world. We need to bring all this down into Earth. Earth Earth is the place. We need to... We need to become this on Earth in in physical form. That's the ultimate mastery, the ultimate goal that we have here. So for them to bring these concepts into such a grounded show um, that globally shows all the different regular storylines that people are experiencing on Earth right now, And add this, what we, you know, this sci-fi, which is not very sci-fi. In my opinion, it's actually reality, but, uh, I've lived in a reality that might not be the same as everybody else. (laughs) Anyway, um, that's another key piece because we get a lot, usually, um, even if we see this type of sci-fi action movies, shows, like, we just watched the one that we,
1: um, Altered Carbon, I think. Yeah,
0: Altered yep. Carbon, also on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: We're probably going to get some hate for watching it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think the more we watch, it. I meant from the
1: Sensei fans.
0: I know what you meant, but, you know, it's all love. We want to grow, right? Like, that's what this is about. The whole show is about inclusion. We really can't be excluding. So anyway, that show, um but my point is it was cool, but it's still not what this show does. It is not. Because this show makes it in our present day. Like that may be some sort of earth they're on earth. Even Cloud Atlas was on earth, but in a different time frame. It wasn't now. Right, this which is, is not times. now. No. This is now. People on Earth now accessing these sci-fi in quotes
1: with the problems that we have today, right? Right now in culture,
0: I've not as seen as this anywhere. And as a person, right? And that. And you said your friend thought it was going to be about superheroes, but right. you know, <laughs> which is funny because one of our lines in our. um consciously awesome website is you know we we
1: we're dedicated
0: to filling the world with (laughs) superhumans um so they are superhumans maybe not superheroes we're not really for the superhero because we think the hero's journey is getting a little old and tired
1: it is it's like 80 or 90 years old (laughs) it's in the hospital it's,
0: 80 it's on, or 90 it's like it's, it's, it's <laughs> infinity its years, years old
1: <laughs> it's, it's insurance only... sure its will is all taken care of
0: the, the hero's journey is the only story humans know we don't even know how that takes me to when my son was little and he he i said he was playing video games creating video games he was young and, uh, I like, wouldn't it be really cool if you could create a video game where there wasn't a battle and conflict and it was beyond that? And he looked at me, and he's like, that could never happen. Cause without conflict, there'd be no plot and the world's not ready for that. I'm like, holy crap.
1: Which brings me to something that you've lined up in March. Do you want to tell us about yeah. it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so in March, on March 20th, which is the solstice too, just because we want to tap into the universal energies of support. We're doing a live set. We're doing a sense eight (laughs) global meditation. So the idea is we're going to, if you've heard of global peace meditations, this is beyond that in my opinion. So I know you might think, okay, wait, what's Sheila doing now? If you're, if you're someone who's, kind of been following me or listening to my stuff all these years you're like what is she doing she used to work for world peace and now she's like doing a global meditation to get give sensei to season three what's up with that it makes sense everybody and if and because thinking about the corporations we want to send love to netflix we want it to line up we want the wachowskis um j michael we want anyone who's a part of the show who wants it to continue to be able to tell this story longer we want the world to receive the story long more because it was written for more but also coming together see when the other pieces we don't know what's past the hero's journey we don't know what is beyond peace so a long time ago i was in um I was at a symposium with the Dalai Lama and a lot of um, peace leaders from around the world. And someone asked the question, what happens after peace? Not one of the peace leaders could answer it.
1: Including the Dalai Lama.
0: The Dalai Lama came close. I want a bad talk. The wow. Dalai Lama. No, he didn't. He didn't. But he, he did on a personal level. He turned it inward to a personal level and he said after peace you have joy and you're more happy and everybody likes happy people so that was true <laughs> that was true he, but he really couldn't answer we have it so going back to imagine you know john lennon um can we imagine a world that is beyond peace we've only so if you ever you know going to the martial arts if you're Going to break a board with your hand, you can't be focused on the board. You have to be focused on seeing your hand on the other side of the board. That's the only way you break the board. So, if we want peace, we have to put our hand, we have to imagine, put our attention beyond the wall of peace to see what happens on the other side. So, for me, this is a long explanation for a global meditation. It is. But it's okay. <laughs> for me, putting our attention. And a global Sense8 meditation tells me we're past that board. What is peace like? Peace is like when we – peace is when we can come together and pour love into something that we like, creative arts. Because I think Mm -hmm. beyond the hero's journey is creativity and arts. So to me, beyond the let's get together and just putting Sense8 love into the world is going to help the world, the fact that people are coming around the world and coming together with the intention of being more conscious – All of that is all in there. And if we focus on sending our attention, our global meditation to the arts, we're claiming to the world that we're past the hero's journey. We're past discovering peace. We're in that state and we're claiming it now. So that's why it's in my heart. So March 20th, I'm going to do a guided meditation. If you sign up. Um, we'll send you the details, and you can get access to hearing me live um, do a guided meditation for everyone who's interested. And that's kind of what I've done in my life. If you go to my iTunes, um, search Jill Applegate or Enchanted One, you'll see some of my old stuff so you understand what I mean by that. But we're all coming together. Whether you get on that or listen to it later or just tune in on March 20th, Imagine Sense Eight already having all the seasons that the story wants it to have. Imagine Netflix or anyone who's supposed to take it further picking it up. Imagine what the world looks like when everybody's watching. When Sense Eight is as big as big as Game of Thrones, right? Like that's the type of thing we're going to imagine.
1: And then just take a moment to realize that if you participate in this meditation, you're voting with your attention span on what you want to create in this reality with other people. And that is the magic of Sense8. Sense8 is bringing people together with their intentions. So it doesn't stop at Sense8. So if you're out there listening, that's what I want you to understand all of this power and magic that we have to come together. This was just the catalyst. This is just the beginning for these connections to continue to happen, for these, this movement of people coming together and connecting for whatever it is that you're, you're the champion of and whatever you believe in. But just take a moment to just recognize that, you know, this is where we're casting our vote with our, our intention is to come together in peace and in inclusiveness to produce creativity in the world.
0: Yeah. And when you say that, I'm also thinking it's also like beyond the little subgroups, because I think that, you know, if you're in the LGBT community, then maybe you're not in this other community or like we've got subgroups of people all trying to do and that's fine. But this show isn't for one subgroup. It's for people who maybe fit in one group or more, or not at all, but see the love and the truth. It's about, it really, even the show is about breaking down um, boundaries within our human interactions, too.
1: With quantum physics. Oh, hey. How about insert meditation? Perfect. Right? Right? Right.
0: Uh, I I think that's great. So March 20th, you can find that both on our...
1: We'll put the link in the description of this podcast. Yeah. So you can find that. There
0: we go. Yep. All right. I think that's a wrap for today.
1: All right. Well, thank you for listening to our episode covering episode three. You can follow us on Twitter or hit us up at live underscore sense eight. If you have any questions, comments, or concern, we've really loved your feedback so far and interactions. Please strike up a conversation with us. We would love to have those. And if you want, you can connect with us through email. It's team at live eight.com. You can find more about our work over at consciously awesome.com and you will if you haven't been to our website recently you can notice that we put up some swag Yay, got some cool got t-shirts going on over there
0: t-shirts and more really right
1: there there is more um and we'll get some more information over there there is some amazing exclusive perks over on patreon uh
0: can we take a minute to tell people, because I think some of our listeners may not know what Patreon is.
1: Sure. What, what's a Patreon? What's a
0: Patreon what is they're talking about? What are these perks and how do I find them?
1: Well, Patreon is a platform that allows creators to crowdfund their creations, because creations such as these take a lot of time and effort, and there's a lot of work that goes into it. And so um, it's just another way for you to vote with your money on what you want to have created. Um, So that's basically what it is. And there's a lot of, it's like a a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo, but it's for creators. So whether that's a YouTube creator, a podcast creator, or there's comic books. I mean, there's so many different creators out there that you can support on these platforms.
0: Including us. Right. So about us. (laughs) So when we were looking into doing this podcast um, and you were looking into Patreon and some of that, and you were saying Zach, uh, Some people say they spend 40 hours a week on a podcast and it was like, whoa, you know, 40 hours
1: a week or 60
0: and 60 hours a week. We started adding up our time between the two of us and we do have other jobs (laughs) at this point, but we're averaging over 40 hours a week to bring this to you. So Mm -hmm. a lot goes into just. Being able to show up here and sound casual, and we really want to continue this. So we're gonna, exactly. we're committed. Um, but we would love your support, and we also didn't want. We want to give back. We want this to be part of a community, and we want to just keep giving more. So we created like these these perks that you're saying is like we're giving. That's where we can give like all our extras and right. Um,
1: it's really going to allow us to grow this platform and do more.
0: And we put in something Zach convinced me to put in something that is kinda of different for me after a few
1: years. Which part are you talking about? There's two, <laughs> the, I think.
0: Oh really? The exec is it the executive oh, yeah. level? Yeah, the VIP The VIP executive, executive top le- level. top level. So if you're hearing me talking here, um after about twenty years of doing readings, um Four years ago, I stopped doing readings and shifted my attention to creating Consciously Awesome and to coaching people at a really high level that really want to master these techniques of living in consciousness. People have been asking for readings. I love doing readings. I'm not saying I didn't love it and it got really easy. For me, uh, I wanted another challenge.
1: She's a pro. Total master.
0: <laughs> I wanted another challenge, but I I just cut it off so I could move on to something else, and also because I think it's more important for you to learn how to do this than for you to get a reading. But people are still asking; it's still a it it can still be helpful. I understand that, and um, so. Zach convinced me. <laughs> I did. I strong armed him into the podcast. He strong armed me into this. But I'm excited. So there's eight possibilities a month of you take that level.
1: So there's a possible eight people per month that can join at the VIP exclusive level.
0: And get a reading from me. Mm-hmm. So every month that you're in that level, you would be able eligible, right. you would get a, a, yep. a phone a forty-five minute phone reading for me. Mm-hmm which you can communicate with your higher self and your loved ones that's crossed over, ask questions, and um, or maybe get a little tutorial during that time on how to communicate yourself with them. Yeah. That's always been my goal, even doing readings, is um, that you leave kind of feeling more connected to we can, who we talk
1: to. Yeah. And we also, so that's just the, there's more things and we'll let you read the website there, but that's the, that's one of the exciting membership perks, but something else we're doing too, uh, overall for the community aspect is because like Sheila said, we want to give back. We want to be a force for good. Um, We have two big goals up right now. And one of them, if we reach the first big goal is to That Sheila, and I strong-armed her into this too, is for the community. <laughs> oh, yeah. So everybody, everybody who's a member, <laughs> if we reach this goal, everybody that is a member, Sheila is going to go ahead and she's going to give us a state of the unity address. I don't know if we're going to call it something else, but basically it's where Sheila is going to kind of give us a forecast of the pulse of what's going on in higher consciousness and how it applies to people. And I'm going to let Sheila <laughs> take over there and maybe she has a better explanation.
0: Well, State of the Unity Address came to me uh, many, a lot of years ago, probably around 2012, somewhere in there. Um, another thing that I do is I'm a channel. So that means I just expand my attention to include vibrations that are more than me. And one of the beings that I channel is Solara, who is the expression of the Alpha and the Omega in form. Really, it's the divine God and goddess in form, kind of a collective energy. And they came up with a State of the Unity address to kind of play on the State of the Union address that we have here um, in the States. But it's about, yeah, it's about unity. And just, um, I guess it's a forecast, whatever... The beings, the they, the they, <laughs> the they that are alpha and omega the in form,
1: <laughs> frequency,
0: the good ones
1: of benevolence, all,
0: all that is, um, have to bring in. So, I don't, those are always cool for me too, because it's more than what I know. And so I'm listening along with you, even though it's coming through my voice. So, um, you know, that may be a little, Uh, out there it's a little past what sense eight is if it's too much for you you don't have to listen (laughs) or you don't have to believe like i don't know like it's just these are our stories and our beliefs um which is why i like the fiction of sense eight because we don't have to decide if we believe it but what if the message is good even if you think it's fiction it's still the message. The truth so.
1: is the truth no matter where it comes from. I it's, want you, to believe it. Right, yeah. you're going back to yourself and trusting yourself. Yeah, so trust you, yourself. you hear a message, if it resonates with you, you get those tingly things and you know it in your heart and your mind, then it's for you. And if it doesn't, then it's not for you. Like At least not now. Right? You might exactly. decide later it is. Exactly. You might remember so it. That's just the one of the biggest goals. And I, like I said, that's a community goal. That's for all the Patreons at every single level. If we can get to that particular goal. And then there's one more goal for now Um as we're building this community. Like I said, the the more we become, the more Patreons we get, the more we can put into the platform. This is what Sheila and I want to put our time on 100% of. Um, so the next goal, what we're going to do if we reach $8,000 a month as a community, we're actually going to give $1,000 of that to a charity that is in alignment with the concepts and principles of what Eight represents. So, for example, maybe that is suicide awareness for the LBGT community. I know there's a charity for that. So that's just one example. I know there's a lot more out there. There's different countries that we can be charitable to. Um, with different situations. So that's what we would like to do as part of giving back to the community as well.
0: Yeah. And so that's a donation each month. And the idea was to open it up to you guys and get suggestions and to let them represent Sense8. So whether they represent a country or a social group that um, is represented. Yeah. In Sensei, a topic that comes up, you know, so some sort of association. So, you know, would it be um, AIDS relief? Would it be, um, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to have to look into it, but that's our idea.
0: We came up with more ideas on the top of my head. I can't, but we're also looking to you guys to give us the ideas. Like, say, hey, like, this is what I took out of Sensei, and here's this organization that I think would be important. And there's no reason like we couldn't donate to just sense eight things. Like right now we're working on getting the um not me in particular, although I keep retweeting about him, but you know, that we've got people who are helping out getting murals of sensei in some of the big cities, San Francisco and um there's another country that Was it Mexico? i don't remember hmm. um but i know the san francisco one but they're saying you know i read this morning they're looking for money to make that happen and again that's creativity like we don't want right. to just uh, put it into problems either we want to put it into how do we make this world sense eight mm-hmm. so awesome that part i'm really excited to just work with all of you and start being able to funnel money
1: right. <laughs> into right. good things right. <laughs> into making a positive impact on the world. (laughs) All right. Thank you again for listening. Stay tuned. We'll catch you next time.